Ahoy there! Welcome back to Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. I'm your host, Ashley Mingwasser. I can't believe they let me steer this ship. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Georgia Department of Education and produced in partnership with Georgia Public Broadcasting. I want you to think of this studio as a classroom within a submarine. That's really the best way to understand emerging of the professional worlds of today's teacher guest. We're looking at a particular career transition case study, veterans who become teachers. We descend into the hole with Josh Uddy, a history teacher at Columbia County Alternative School, which is in Grovetown. Josh has taught middle and high school students for fewer than three years since retiring with 20 years and one month of service to the Navy. When he was stationed in Hawaii, Josh's role was information warfare and submarines. Josh retired at Fort Gordon in Augusta. Josh, I salute you, man. How are you? I'm doing great, Ashley. Are you excited to be here? I am. Have you ever done a podcast before? No, I have not. So this is a first for a man who spent a lot of time underwater. It is. I'm glad. You told me that when leaving the service, you wanted to continue serving, which I love very much, without having to use a weapon, though. I like that. Tell me about your mental shift from the Navy to civilian educator. So going from the military, um, I was in charge of adults. And one things I do love mentally with dealing with children is now when they behave like children, it's because they are children <laughs> instead of grown <laughs> adults, adults behaving like children. who have to behave like children and I've got to lead <laughs> them. But there's a huge mental shift in just attitude and behavior and some of the language. That's, that's a massive shift about um, the language I can use <laughs> around sailors versus uh, oh, children. Oh, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I can imagine that. What interested you about teaching, though? How did you go from being underwater to, I want to be on land now, working in classrooms with kids? So I met my wife in Hawaii, and she was teaching. And that was like my first exposure to it, besides my own time in school. And I'm like, I saw how much she loved it. I tried to volunteer and help with her school because we didn't have any children of our own yet. And it was a lot of fun. And then my next tour, I was an instructor. And it was my absolute favorite tour when I was in the Navy. Really? Was, in, was instructing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes sense. What's your wife's name? Her name is Monica. Monica. So Monica walked the walk and talked the talk, and that inspired you. And so practically, when you decided you were going to take this path, you achieved the actual occupational shift by getting your MAT at Augusta University. Is that right? That's right, Tell actually. me about that program at Augusta University. So at Augusta University, um, the Master's of Arts in Teaching program is meant for somebody who you didn't just graduate from school, go to college, and then decide, okay, I want to go teacher, I get a degree in education, and then go become a teacher. It's for somebody who has a bachelor's in something else and is like, you know what, I want to transition and I want to be a teacher. Like you did. And I started doing that during my last tour in the Navy, and the Augusta University and the Navy both, both worked with me a lot to make sure that I could actually achieve my goal, especially um, I used a program called SkillBridge when I student taught right before I retired. So that way I was able to get everything done right before I retired. And it was amazing getting to go to all these classes. And I took some of what I learned from the education courses to the Navy with me, such as uh, seeing sailors just goofing off, acting like sailors (laughs) and just redirecting them instead of, you know, just yelling at them because, you know, that's what the natural Navy thing would be. Like, no, just like ask them, hey, what are y'all working on? And then redirecting what they should be working on. And it was amazing how that transferred. 
Exactly. Skills like that, I'm sure, really come to bear into your classroom. We'll get more into that. Before we actually explore you in the classroom, I always love to highlight for our audience uh, the teacher himself, because teachers are multifaceted, interesting individuals, in addition to being truth bearers. So tell us about you, your family, your personal life. How about some fun facts, Josh? All right. Um, so I'm originally from Amarillo, Texas, and because of the Navy is how I ended up in Georgia, I got to travel pretty much all over the world. Um, I've been married to my wife a bit over 18 years now. Uh, we have two children. Uh, one, Our oldest is Sarah, and she's 13, and our youngest is Maggie, or Margaret, because she goes back and forth what she wants to be called. Respect. And she's seven, <laughs> and they are exactly six and a half years apart in age. So my mom spoils them by celebrating their half birthday. Oh, I love a half birthday. And... We've also got a border collie mix named Pepper. Fur babies. Yes, fur babies. Mm -hmm. um, and she's about 13. She's barely younger than our oldest daughter. And then we got three cats, uh, one named Marshmallow. He's uh, almost two now. And the vet said he's very fluffy, but it's fitting for his name of Marshmallow. Okay, perfect. And then we got another one named Mal, who's named after Captain Malcolm Reynolds of Firefly. And he lives up to the name Mal. He definitely does. Ah. And uh, we got a, our newest addition is a little uh, black kitten named Shuri, just from Black Panther, because our my wife and daughter named her, and she's the one who's like always like you'd think a motor was going on as loud as this little kitten can purr. Oh my gosh, you guys are into some comics. I can already mm -hmm. tell with the naming of the animals. Are you MCU or DC? I prefer MCU. I mean, I like the DC movies, but the MCU just has more of a connection. Plus, now with Disney Plus, they got all the series and everything that goes with it. Who's your favorite superhero? Captain America. Oh, you didn't even hesitate. I think he's my favorite in the MCU. But DC, I mean, my favorite overall is is Batman. Batman. I mean, and the, and the latest film, did you see it yet? Yes. We don't want to spoil it for anybody. But oh. that is that is homework watching at this point. People need to see that immediately. It's fascinating. What did you think of it? I loved that movie. Loved we went to too. see it. I think it was right on my birthday. It was my birthday present. Getting to go see that movie in theaters. And was just like, it was amazing. So I, dark and gritty. I know. Yeah. And I'd only known him before from, because my wife made me watch Twilight with her. Ah. And she's, uh, yeah. Cedric Diggory from Harry Potter, because my wife also loves Harry Potter. Good. And I'm like, how is this kid going to be Bruce Wayne and Batman? And I was just completely blown away. Boy, wasn't he. I bet you've caught yourself in some Harry situations. Not to say you're Batman-esque, although you could be Josh, <laughs> but just in the Navy in your time underwater, did you ever get in some pickles down there? Can you think of one time in particular that was scary? Oh, um, I don't know if it's really be called scary, but I know that um, qualifying submarines, which uh, in the Navy, we have these warfare designators. Um, I have information warfare, surface warfare, and one for submarines. And you, it's this very long process to qualify. And because you have to learn everything about the submarine, like mm. uh, the engines, how we make water. It's um, a mechanical beast. Like it is. And... To finish it, you have to do an oral bore where they're basically just drilling you constantly. And part of it, they're like, oh, go to the nearest OBA and don it and come back, which is an oxygen breathing apparatus that we have to seal up on our faces. And then there's these ports around the submarine with air. And you got to go find a port, find the port. And, and well, you have to hold your breath when it's not in there. And one of the questions while I'm wearing this thing is also, oh, yeah, how does my pee get turned into our drinking water? So I have oh. to explain that about how our whole reverse osmosis system works. With no oxygen or not enough oxygen. Oh. Well, they would also make their own oxygen by, they use uh, electrolysis. I gotcha. Okay. How long were you holding your breath in this exercise? 
I didn't really count because you're trying to move as fast as you can to go to the next one. Right. Because when it's that way, it's I was plugged in, so I had air. You had air. Mm. Oh, I'm happy to hear it. We need all your brain cells in your current profession. So oh, yes. thank you so much. And I know as outsiders, a lot of us can have sort of erroneous ideas about military service. You're an insider, though. What myths do you want to debunk right now? The biggest myth I want to debunk is that the military is like boot camp. And everybody's saying, sir, yes, sir, all the time, and super clean cut, and you get in trouble and have to do push-ups. Um, for the most part, like, that's what basic training or initial training can be like. But I loved my time in the military or in the Navy because, I mean, I got to visit so many places and so many different ports. The Navy or the any service is not like boot camp or what you see on TV. The most realistic submarine movie is actually down Periscope. Is based it on really? the way we act. Not for, like, how they really be, like, the, the, the naval stuff happening, but the way sailors act uh, and mess around and play around down Periscope. That was accurate. It's the most accurate. When did that movie come out? I need to go watch that oh, again. back in, I don't remember, it was in the 90s. Mm-hmm. It came out before I joined. Because there's, uh, Humphrey Red October is very accurate in how it displays some of the stuff, but just the way sailors actually behave, hopefully nobody <laughs> comes to get me after saying all this and letting out of the back because we do us <laughs> fun things like uh, there's crossing the line ceremonies when we uh, cross the equator and that's to become go from being a war to being a shellback and you go through this whole long process I can't do too many details it just involves a lot of push-ups oh dear that sounds awful and there's another one when we crossed when I was on submarines we got to go over the Arctic Circle and that's coming with blue nose and it's very similar but it involves ice oh ice ice yeah. baby Well, you can consider this next question reconnaissance for our listeners, but help us understand your school's mission and culture at Columbia County Alternative School. So our mission is to help the students because it is an alternative school. So the students there, they've made a mistake. They've made a mistake. And it's just like when I was in the Navy, we did not want a zero defect Navy. And our job is to help these students do the best they can. So that way they can not get behind in their academics and they can keep going and just move on with life as if that never happened. Mm-hmm. What are some of the skills from the military then that you use in your classroom? Um, a lot of the skills I use in the classroom, I try to be as honest as I possibly can with the students. Um, I use a lot of my background experience, just places I've visited, because since I do teach uh, social studies and history, I have actually seen some of these places, or I've been to like a Hindu temple in Bali or the, the Buddha at Kamakura. Fascinating. And one thing that really helps in the classroom and in just school in general is in the military, we always had these things called collateral duties, which is like, because you have your main job and then other jobs you have to do. And teachers, we have to wear so many different hats. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, one time you're a teacher and the next thing you know, okay, you're not to be a coach or a mentor. I mean, it just, it really helps a lot us to like just go back and forth. Exactly. And it also really helps because I've seen the way people behave in an office when I've been on shore duty. I've seen the way adults behave in a classroom when I was instructor duty. And I've seen the way adults behave when they're in essentially a tin can under the water right. or on a surface ship. And I know how adults behave in the real world. And if you've, anybody's ever seen, like, say, The Office, there's a reason there's a comedy about how people goof off and play in the <laughs> office. And it's the expectation of, like, knowing that we can't imagine that children have to just be perfect little robots doing exactly what they're told. Good point. That's not realistic. They're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. So is your point then that you talk to them about mistakes being a normal 
factual part of life. And yes, and that we're all human. We all make mistakes, and it's okay to make a mistake and move on. And it's part of that just growth mindset. You just have to, even whether you, whether it's a behavior thing, you're just not. They're not doing what they're supposed to right now. Like it's easy, just move on and just pretend it didn't happen. Right. So you're you're pretty transparent with them about real world stuff, and you bring that to bear in your classroom. Tell me about the sign that's posted on your wall. Oh. <laughs> So I've got a couple. My favorite one that I got off Etsy, it's, uh, it looks like a, a road <laughs> warning sign. It says, warning, no whining zone. No whining zone. And I point to that whenever they start complaining about something. I've tried to build, like, use that sign to help re- reinforce the positive classroom climate, which you'd think a no whining zone sign. You're like, well, that doesn't sound positive. But it's the idea, you know, I've built relationships with them, and they can trust me. I take their feedback. I listen to them. And I do explain the stuff, like the things that I have control over. So that way, it's like if it's something inside my own classroom and it's like, you know, can we do something a certain way? I, I take their feedback and I help them. But when it's something that's, you know, like those are the rules, we have to do it. You know, I've built that relationship and that trust. And a, one way I've done that is just by I do try to listen to their feedback and take what they say. But there are times like we just have to just accept what the rules are and just go with it. And that is intended to protect everybody and keep the momentum flowing. Yes. And that just that we can just keep going and not have the lesson pause having to talk about why, because we have to do what we have to do. I had to do it in the military. I expect them to do it, but I've built trust in them and they've built some trust in me and the fact that I have their best interests at heart and that the idea is that to get everybody learning. And to not disrupt anybody else's learning because the most important thing in that classroom is that we're all learning and doing our best. Because duty calls. Yes. These are the rules. We have to follow the rules. Exactly. We don't have to understand them. You just got to do them. (laughs) As direct as that feels, I'm sure you save some time not going back and forth on the why and the how. And so you can kind of propel your instruction forward. Makes sense to me, Josh. In what ways did you build community in the military? And then how do you think you do that in the classroom now? So in the military, um, the world I came from, uh, the information warfare community is really small. There's only a few places we primarily go. Oh. Um, and like, I do still have uh, so many friends on Facebook that I'll, I'll still um, try to talk to and see when I can. And the thing with a lot of what my job was, we always had to like, I'm an expert of what my thing is, but somebody else knows they're an expert in their field. So we have to be able to reach out and we have to collaborate and build that community and know that, okay, if I need information on X, it's hard to talk about my old job. <laughs> then I need, I have to go ask a uh, petty officer or Sergeant so-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. And the same thing inside the submarine, because when learning about qualifying down there is like pretty much human beings and an oxygen atmosphere, we're not meant to be hundreds of feet below the water. So the, the ocean's doing it's everything it can to kill us. So we have to be a community and work together. Mm. And I try to bring that to teaching. Some of my community is built up from when I was at Augusta University. I actually just ran into uh, somebody I went to class there with at the gym. He's like, oh, I, I also teach world history and government. And he shared all his stuff with me so we can collaborate that way, which makes my job so much easier. But And then I'll share information with him. And then I share stuff with uh, my fellow teachers. I found out that we were building a community and collaborating between myself and my ELA teacher uh, across the hall without even knowing about it because she was telling me how excited the, her, the kids were, though they would never admit it to me, 
because they were mm-hmm. talking, learning about uh, George Winthrop and the city on a hill. I'm like, well, we had just learned about that because we had just covered the Puritans. Ah. So we've got community being built like all the time. And the biggest part of that is finding out who the experts are and then asking them for help. Yes. So how are schools different from submarines? Oh, well, <laughs> there's the sun. That's a huge difference. <laughs> minor detail. Just a minor Vitamin detail. <laughs> um, one of the biggest things is like on a submarine, it wasn't always, but sometimes stuff down there was life and death. Mm. And at school, there are some terrible times that could potentially be, but for the most part, it's never life and death. If a student makes a mistake, it's something we can move on from. Um, if somebody doesn't do well on one of my exams for or an assessment, it's I can just go back and remediate them. But if somebody on a submarine, they pull the wrong valve, <laughs> like it could cause a huge problem for everybody. Right. So it's it's a lot less stress. Mm-hmm. It's way less stressful for a certain kind of stress dealing with students and and being at school also is this may sound crazy, but it's a lot more surprising because it's really? new challenges. There's new on a submarine. You develop a routine where it's almost it feels like Groundhog Day oh. with what we're doing. Whereas, and that was on the lots of other deployments I've been on. And there would be exciting points, but a lot of it's like you just get up. You eat, you do your work, you eat again, you work out, you shower, you go to your rack, and it starts over. And every day is like the movie Groundhog Day. Right. Whereas with education and being in a school, every single day, I, it's like a new challenge. And it's like I think that I have a lesson or strategy down pat, and then it's like a curveball gets thrown at me, and I got to adjust and adapt. And that's one of the things I actually love about teaching. Well, in a classroom, it sounds like surprises and aha moments are, are good things. Whereas when you're in the ocean, sardine in a tin, like you said, <laughs> not always good surprises down there. Not always. Not always. I'm imagining a wave of veterans entering classrooms in the future. In your opinion, Josh, what makes retired military personnel gold for the teaching profession? Well, retired, especially for the profession, because um it does really help that we have like all this experience and generally, not always, but generally um, dealing with like junior sailors or junior enlisted members or even junior officers, depending on somebody's pay grade or rank when they retire, like they act and behave very similar to high schoolers or even sometimes middle schoolers. (laughs) So it does. And the leadership and mentorship that you that I got to do with junior sailors and helping them grow and seeing them flourish and seeing them get promoted or get the program they want or the recognition for a job well done, awards, or I mean, some I see on Facebook and they're like, they're going up so high in the ranks and they're doing amazing, wonderful things. But being in the classroom, you can see them like, you know, do well on this test and the next test. And then next thing you know, they're graduating and they're coming up and thanking you. So that aspect and the fact that They've built all this time because leadership in the military is is mentoring and leading people. And adults and children are different, but there's a lot of similarities there. Mm-hmm. And that experience I fall back on all the time. Yes. And you told me when we first spoke and we were going to bring you on the podcast that you have a couple of big things that stand out to you. And number one is you learned from the military the power of the redirect, which you already kind of hinted at before. And you can use that in your classroom. And that makes military personnel good with kids because you can just get things back on track. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned this statement. We ha- we don't have a zero defect Navy. Therefore. Therefore, it's the same thing with children. They yes, make mistakes. Exactly. Whether it was a mistake bad enough for them to get 
or big enough for them to get sent to an alternative school, or it's just they made a mistake on assessments. And I've seen some students, like, if they don't get an A, you just have to be able to, like, understand that you don't have to be perfect. And the idea is to grow because if somebody's already, if I give somebody a project and I have a rubric and they got the full points on everything and it's completely perfect, there's no room for growth. That tells me that I need to do more to challenge them. Mm-hmm. And it, it also, it can mean something as for like at schoolwork, but it can also mean for just behavior or anything else in their life of like people make mistakes and we're all human. They make mistakes and I sometimes make mistakes and you just have to accept them and move on. It's like a hyper-realism that is very freeing. I could see that being really beneficial in the classroom. I know that one program in particular, Troops to Teachers, makes it possible by helping service members and veterans become certified and employed as K-12 school teachers. How would you describe what the offerings are through Troops to Teachers? So Troops to Teachers recently uh, came back. It was sundown for a little bit, which made me incredibly sad because it's an amazing program. Because there's, there's a lot of push for the service members, especially in my field, to just stay with the fields we were working in. Have been in, right. But not everybody wants to do that. True. Like, I joined the Navy You were inspired by ago. Monica, and here you are. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I joined initially because I didn't know what I wanted to do, and a lot of people in the military are like that. But the thing is, troops of teachers can give you an idea of, like, okay, if you thought you want to do this, it can guide you and direct you into, like, okay, what does it take in the state you want to teach in? And whether it's like which uh, assessments for like in Georgia, we have the GACE ones you have to take or what type of academic uh, you want to go back to school like I did or uh, other ways you can get certified. One of the biggest help they gave me uh, was career counseling and helping with my resume. Oh, good. Because when when we separate from the military, they give you a lot of training resumes because we've been in the military all this time. I'd never really written a resume before. Exactly. But education. Education resumes and resumes meant for the business world or for the government are so different and pretty much nobody else helped me. But uh, troops of teachers really helped me with that. And that's what helped me land my first and current teaching jobs. Just when you just go and look up for, you know, a brand new uh, teacher resume online, it's like, okay, you went to school and then you had your uh, student teaching and then here. But it's very linear. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, what about all the other stuff I've done? All (laughs) the other experience I have. Well, just so you know, uh, resume building and resume writing is a difficult skill for all adults. So it isn't just you, Josh. How do you approach discipline in the classroom? Just because I'm curious. I don't see you as the the drill sergeant type. You're not. What what happens when a student's out of line in there? So I try to redirect. And I also, because I try to do, it's kind of like tiers of strategies of what I want to do. And I try like. That's so Navy of you. I know. And I try to, so I try redirection and I, and I remember from my management class, you know, presence. So I always try to like, if I see a student doing something that they're not supposed to be doing or, and it could just be they're bored or they could be. And well, part of it too, is to assume the best, not the worst, which is the opposite of what it was in the military. I always try to assume the worst and hope for the best. Right. Just because, you know, you got to be ready, but to assume the best and that, okay, if they're talking, you know, they could be. I have found them where I was about to say something like they really were just helping each other with a problem or they had a question and then one student was helping another. And I'm like, that's great. And the uh-huh. only thing might be like, hey, just make sure you all keep it down. Right. Um, so you're modulating their volume. You're not saying no side conversation yeah. because that was actually beneficial. Yes. Or it could be I'm just standing behind them and I catch them 
uh, somewhere they're not supposed to be. And I'm like, what are you doing right now? And it just redirects them. And they're like, okay. And then they point out what they're really doing and just gets them back on track. Another tool I like to use because you've always got to like pull them out. If it's anything like you're going to really, you don't want to like potentially cause any like conflict in front of the other students because then you're, you're by yourself. Right. So I try to pull them out and something I'll try to do, you know, just ask them what's going on because they could be just having like a bad day. There could be something else going on at home um, and just talk to them and just say, Hey, I don't want, and, and also start off with, you are not in trouble. Oh. And say, you are not in trouble. I just want to talk to you because. That's your disclaimer. The second you pull a kid out, the, they assume they're in trouble. Body they language changes. They start defensive. Yep. And it's like, man, you're tripping. Yeah. Or you're doing too much. <laughs> so I try to, you know, take all that back, nip it in the bud, like you're not in trouble. Just talk to them and just say, hey, I want you to do this for me, please. Yeah. And then I also will pull some other students out, which I have to, like, make sure that. I have something positive to say to them because I don't want to give it away that, you know, they're not all going to be that just say, that, oh, yeah, I'm just pulling you out for uh, to stand here. Yeah. But to pull them out and like just give them some feedback or just check on them and see how they're doing, too. And that way it doesn't necessarily like they don't know why they're being pulled out, even though if somebody was doing something they weren't supposed to, they, they kind of know. But I try to make sure that throws them off. So that way they're not like, oh, I'm getting in trouble and right. they see me. And that kind of separates them. And it also can sometimes move them away from somebody who is going there. I know, like, I have had to raise my voice in the past. I don't like doing it. I don't believe it, Josh. <laughs> I do not like doing it one bit. But um, I do everything in my power not to. To prevent that from happening. And apart from discipline, what are some quick tips you want to offer right now for all teachers currently in the classroom? So one of the biggest things um and these, um, these might be tips that everybody already knows but one of the tips i always do like every time we do an activity especially if it's the first time is i always ask for feedback immediately from students like when we did a uh, escape rooms or i do a stations activity or um even it's just notes or it's like okay instead of doing traditional notes what i'm going to do is i'm going to give notes and if you don't want to listen to me and write everything down powerpoint's here on the computer you can do it yourself and then I asked them afterwards, like, did you guys like this? And some students will be like, whatever, they don't like anything you're going to do. <laughs> you could do, unless it's like, here's an Xbox to play, they won't be happy. But I'll get that good feedback of like, okay, well, yeah, we, we loved playing this game. Or, oh, I do want to move around. Or, yeah, this was too much for us. We didn't really like the timer. We didn't like this. And getting that feedback and reflecting on it. So That's there's good. that. Feedback. And the other part, so I mentioned earlier about, you know, how like we're all human is when you make a mistake – you know, just own up to it. You know, if even if it causes everybody to laugh, just let them go and just, you know, then pull them back and just let them see that you're also human. Yes. Because it's not just, you know, they're human, but I'm human. Whether it's I misspell something on the board, like I just for a project, I uh, made my rubric inside Google Sheets. And it was really ironic that it was the, the section on spelling and grammar. I'd misspelled the word grammar. And when you pull it back into Google Docs, that's when it tells you that, hey, that word's misspelled. And I have it pulled up on screen. And I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll fix that. Just, I'll fix that later. Just ignore that. Overlook just it. Acknowledge, just acknowledge your mistakes. And another one is, um, and this is kind of from the military too, or just in general. Like, I don't have to be an expert in everything. There's other teachers and there's other people who know um, whether it's like, okay, I'm having issues with a student. Like, ask other teachers who may have a relationship built with them already and they may trust them more. 
And they may be like, hey, uh, that's just that kid. Or like, okay, I'll talk to that student for you. Or, hey, I'm trying to, I want to try this uh, activity or this whatever, uh, this assessment or, you know, just bounce ideas off of others, like other teachers who are more experienced. Or, and also you might find out you're inadvertently collaborating and then you can build on it when ah, you do back that. back to community. Which mm-hmm. is awesome. That is awesome. And another good tip is like when you're doing that, if somebody offers you advice, even if you don't want to take it, you know, just receive it. You know, receive it and it may or may not work for you. And if it doesn't work for you, that's fine. But I know there's some teachers that are like, whenever they get advice, they're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, I'm not going to do that. And then eventually that that causes, you know, issues. But basically it's like seek out, because those are our official mentors. Mm-hmm. But in the military, we had an official mentor too. But like everybody, no matter what rank they were, had a ton of mentors. And they're always going to them oh. for advice and, you know, for help pretty much. Mm-hmm. So use your mentors mm-hmm. and they're all around you in multiple shapes and sizes. I love that. You know what song I'm going to listen to on the way home? All oh, your only human talk. There's a song about being human. I think it's called I'm only human. And I believe when I fall down, do you know the song I'm talking about? Maybe. It's actually kind of a sad song, but I'll text it to you later, Josh, and you can listen to it on the way home. It feels like it's right up your alley. Well, thank you for being here today. Uh, bon voyage to you, Josh, I guess. You're doing, you're doing wonderful work and making waves in classrooms and we appreciate it. Thank you, Ashley. Uh, come back sometime. Definitely. Maybe bring some cool submarine gadgetry that we can play with. See what I can do. <laughs> You'd have to steal it. I Government know. property. I don't want you to get they, trouble. They, they frown on that. <laughs> they frown on that You're quite a bit. You're doing so well in the classroom. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. From seafarer to wayfarer serving Georgia's students, that's Josh Eddy. Josh, thank you for the lovely periscope view of your profession back on land. The Navy sometimes uses the slogan, forged by the sea. It's interesting to think about Georgia's K-12 students as individuals forged by their teachers further duty upon the notion that you are doing the memorable work. Whatever bubbles up in your classroom today, just think of Josh and his underlying notion of service. You're a great teacher. Just a couple of episodes left in season two of Classroom Conversations, so be sure to come back for more next week. I'm Ashley Mingwasser. Goodbye for now. Funding for Classroom Conversations is made possible through the School Climate Transformation Grant. 